0: Well, welcome to another edition of Confessing Your Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Today is June 19th, 2016, and I have the pleasure this afternoon to sit down with two professors of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, one the professor of Old Testament and the other the professor of New Testament. And we're going to be talking today about the importance of the biblical languages, uh, its relevance, not only to men who stand in the pulpit week after week, but to the person, the average pew sitter, and forgive me for the way I express that, I I don't know how else to do it, Um, but the one who has not been trained um, in the original languages. So we're going to talk with two men who actively teach um, these languages here at the seminary, Dr. Shaw, who teaches uh, Old Testament, and, and I studied under him, and Dr. Dyer, who teaches New Testament Greek, and I studied under him. So we'll get to that in just a minute. Let me tell everybody what we're doing here at the podcast. Obviously, it's summer, and um, I've graduated, thankfully. And um, and we're lining up people to talk uh, about various subjects, books, and topics over the next few months. If you're interested in what we're doing, uh, you can go to the website, ConfessingOurHope.com. There you'll see the lineup that is scheduled all the way through august and i'm very thankful for my assistant drew presswar who takes care of all the details to make these particular interviews and discussions a reality uh, so i'm very thankful for him and his labors uh, behind the scenes but you can see that lineup at confessingourhope.com and utilize that to, uh to your benefit in addition of course this is a podcast of greenville presbyterian theological seminary if you want to find out more about the seminary you can go to our website gpts.edu we do have the summer institute coming up in a few weeks as well as dr um wilborn's southern presbyterian uh, theology class that'll happen um, in august so avail yourself of those resources as you have opportunity if you have any questions about the podcast you want to write in and criticize me (laughs) it has happened before Uh, but if you want to write in questions or comments suggestions, uh, you can do that at confessingourhope.com, or confessingourhope at gpts.edu. Now, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking with Dr. Ben Shaw. He is um, the professor of Old Testament here at the seminary, and Dr. Sid Dyer. He is the professor of New Testament here at the seminary, and we're going to be talking with him about, or them, about the biblical languages. Now, gentlemen, I, of course, um, I endured, for lack of a better word, your tormenting classes <laughs> um, throughout, the, uh, throughout my four years here, and, and it's an invaluable uh, uh, instruction, uh, especially for men in the ministry. So Dr. Shaw, Dr. Dara, welcome to the program. And uh, let me start with Dr. Shaw and just uh, a really simple question, really, is why, are, why is it necessary For men in the ministry to study and know the languages of the Bible?
1: Well, I don't know in a certain sense that it's necessary. I I think a man can have a long and fruitful ministry without a knowledge of the biblical languages, but he will always be hindered in that one area. He will always be at the mercy of whatever resources uh, he has that, that speak about or that write about the original languages Uh, and the fact is that there is uh, a great deal of information uh, available on the web these days uh, uh, that give you information about what the original languages of the bible say but there is no substitute for knowing the original languages it's a little bit uh, let me illustrate it this way i've gotten inquiries about the seminary from folks who are not native english speakers Mm -hmm. and sometimes their letters sound as if they took what they wanted to say in whatever their uh, uh in whatever their native language is fed it into google translator and ask Google Translator to turn it into English. Uh, And the result is always, perhaps not intentionally, but always humorous because there are uh, idioms in English. There are uh, words in English that have a, a variety of shades of meaning that when they're translated from another language, suddenly what you said becomes either nonsense or silly. Right. Uh, and it's the same way with, with Hebrew and Greek. There are subtleties to the language that you can't get just by pulling up, say, a definition uh, out of one of the, uh, uh, one of the software programs. Um, there are subtleties about the, the grammar, that is the, the, the form and function of words uh there are subtleties about the syntax that is how how words fit together mm-hmm. that sim- you simply can't get uh from pulling up the words uh in in some kind of bible mm-hmm. software mm-hmm. uh in, in addition to which the both in hebrew and greek the, uh, there there are an, a lot of technical terms so for example uh, the aorist tense in greek the prefix form in hebrew those are technical terms and your online resources are going to use those terms well if you don't know what those terms mean then you don't know what the online explanation they don't mean anything to you yeah and and so and and plus I, i think the other thing too is that there is simply a feel to the language. There's a rhythm to it. There is a, uh, a movement to any language mm-hmm. that, it, if you don't know it or if you know it only through the use of tools, that you will never pick up on.
0: Yeah, that's well said. And I think uh, in my experience, um, which is very limited compared to these two men that are sitting in front of me. I've noticed that reality as well and I'm thankful for the instruction I've had just even to pick up on some of those things that you've just discussed. Dr. Dyer, do you have anything to add as far as the importance, as far as the ministry, as far as the man in the pulpit, uh, as it relates to the languages?
2: Well, I do want to say that I agree with uh, Dr. Shaw that a man can be an effective preacher uh, without knowing the languages. but I like uh, the way A.T. Robertson put it. He mm-hmm. said, There's much that cannot be translated. It is not possible to reproduce the delicate turns of thought, the nuances of language in translation. The freshness of the strawberry cannot be preserved in any extract. Yep. And uh, that just basically what Dr. Shaw just said. Um, if a man is going to preach... Uh, He's committed to preaching, or should be committed to preaching the Word of God. Uh, And to be a reliable interpreter, he must know the original languages. At what
0: level must they know it? Because as a student here, well, graduate, but I had, well, let me think, I had uh, two years with Dr. Shaw in Hebrew, no, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay, so exegesis and, and the two beginning Greek grammar, mm-hmm. um, and, and I had two, uh, one, two, three, six six semesters, so two years, mm-hmm. right? Is that my math right? No, no. three, three years. years. Three years of Greek with you, right? And and I remember Dr. Shaw in my first year in Hebrew made the comment that um, when we finish our Hebrew instruction, including the exegesis, we'll, we'll be like third grade readers, and and. <laughs> Frankly, I was, I was a little discouraged by that comment. But I, but I realize now, as I'm, I'm preaching both Old and New Testaments in my church, um, that that's really true, and, and I'm continuing to learn. So how, to what extent, then, must a man who's going to handle the Word of God carefully know the original language, to what extent must he know them?
2: Well, that's, that's kind of an interesting question. I think that the man needs to be able to work through a text... Carefully, mm-hmm. he needs to understand that you know this is a participle and it's going to be related to another uh, word in the text. Is it going to? Is it related to the verb? You know those kind of questions. Mm-hmm. How's how's the participle being used? How's the infinitive being used? Um, Do Archie even know
0: it's a participle or an infinitive?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, if a man doesn't know that, then there's there's some problems. Yeah. Um, but I believe that. After a man finishes um, Intermediate Greek here at our seminary, um, he should have a good enough grasp of the grammar that he can work through a text, and if there's something he's stuck on, uh, he can look it up in the textbook. Yep. Uh, I know you do that. Oh, yeah. It's a good good thing. Um, I've had students in class, when I'll ask them to translate a verse, uh, and I'll ask them, okay, well, so what's this grammatical usage? And they'll they'll give it to me now how did you know that well i looked it up in the index yeah, well, sure, <laughs> sure. so but in terms of just um there needs to be a familiar familiarity with the language dr Shaw talked about a feel for the language it doesn't mean you're going to be an expert in every
0: yeah and i area. want to pick but, up on that because i think that what dr Shaw said and what you're saying is critically important we don't as a seminary, or any seminary frankly that's, that's dealing with the languages recognize the reality that the men they graduate aren't going to leave here um, Daniel Walls clones. Right. They're not going to leave here as experts as it were uh, to that level. But they're going to leave with a great deal of familiarity with the text and be able to identify these particular issues and then deal with those and obviously use the resources. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. Uh, the, I guess the thing that I would say is That, yeah, a man goes through the language courses here, Uh, he'll be reading Greek and Hebrew at a, you know, second or third grade level, Uh, and, you know, the the thing about it is that we often don't remember or don't think about how much time we as children spent learning to read. Yeah. And by mm-hmm. continuing to read, improving our ability to read, uh, we we somehow have gotten this idea that having to stop to look up a word is somehow wrong. Um, but that's how that's how we learn to read. We uh, maybe we were in a reading class in grade school, and we said, "Teacher, what does this word mean?" Um, or the teacher said there are going to be a number of words in this reading exercise that you're probably not going to know. So here are the dictionaries. Look them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's nothing shameful about if you if you will stumbling your way through a Hebrew or a Greek passage, looking up a lot of words. Now, um, you know if you the Vocabulary of the Hebrew Old Testament is somewhere around eight thousand words total. Um, about four hundred of those are used a hundred times or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, if you have all of those four hundred memorized, and this, the the beginning student will be surprised how much text he can actually read, mm-hmm. knowing just those four hundred words. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit different in greek um but the um but in in Hebrew even you know if you had say another four hundred words you're going to take yourself down well if you learn a thousand words of Old Testament Hebrew a thousand of the Old Testament vocabulary, you will learn everything that occurs more than twenty five times mm-hmm. in the in the Old Testament, yeah. which means you're going to be looking up very few yeah. uh mm-hmm. very few words and the other thing that I would say is that you simply need to spend time in the text every day. Not a lot of time, because some, I, I think that's, a, that's a, uh, a mistake that a lot of men make, that they've got to spend hours every day. Uh, but I, I think you, I tell my classes 10 or 15 minutes mm-hmm. every day. Ten minutes a day every day is better than one hour once a week because it keeps you in the language, it keeps you looking at it, it keeps you dealing with the vocabulary. And what you're gonna find is if you do that, you're gonna be doing more in those 10 minutes than when you first started. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, you right. know, it's just developing the habit of it. Yeah, I, I can speak from personal experience. I remember when Dr. Shaw made
0: that comment, I don't remember which semester it was, Probably he probably said it in all of them. Um, and, I've, and I've adopted that routine. Um, and, and, and frankly, 10 or 15 minutes is nothing. <laughs> and so the goal is not huge and you're able to accomplish it and it's been very helpful and in the same in Greek it's just review 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 let me back up a little bit to something you both indicated that I'll be honest surprised me just a little um, because here at the seminary we place a great deal of emphasis on the language it's a it's a core mm-hmm. critical mm-hmm. issue um, and I think you both mentioned that a man can preach without a knowledge of the languages. But if I were to set a a text in front of a man who has no knowledge of Greek or Hebrew and a man who does, um, which one of those sermons, now I realize this is going to get a little subjective, but which one of those should be more faithful to the text?
2: Well, obviously the one that knows the languages. Um, One of the things that ministers should be aware of, and that there might be people coming to their church that have hmm. different translations in front of them, different right. versions. It might right. be the ESV, NIV, ASV, whatever. And there are going to be some differences. And if somebody comes up to the pastor at the end of the service, after the service says, why does my translation read differently than what you preach from? Yep. It's good for a minister to be able to explain that. Um, the the um, one of the things that happens in Greek is you have these participles that are tied to the main verb. Mm-hmm. In a lot of the versions, and there's one in particular I'm thinking of, uh, they tend to take those participles and turn them into finite verbs, and the, 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 there's that loss of connection right. between the participle and the verb, and so you, again you lose that connection, um, and so I I really believe that it's essential. Well, maybe essential is not quite the right word, but. Uh, we're not, Dr. Shaw and I are not saying that it's okay not to <laughs> know the original language. No, no, I don't,
0: I don't mean to imply that. I think what I'm, what I'm driving at, um, and I didn't ask the question very well, and I admit that, um, I think what I'm driving at here is that if, if a minister is indeed a minister of the word, mm-hmm. the question then becomes, what is that word? And if a man okay. doesn't know the original languages... Um, how can he then effect, effectively, effectually, uh, effectively, yeah, preach the word?
1: Well, uh, again, it it depends on how careful he is in his study of the language that he does know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if he only knows English, he needs to make sure that he consults a variety of translations uh you know it, it's um so for example uh the the situation that dr dyer uh posed mm-hmm. he's pre man's preaching say out of the esv somebody's congregation has the niv comes up why does the niv read differently here a man who doesn't know the languages who has adequately prepared will be able to give at least a preliminary answer to that question yeah great point um, but I, I i think in in a certain sense the man who only knows english doesn't know hebrew doesn't know greek it requires more work mm-hmm. for him to prepare mm-hmm. Uh, an expositional sermon mm-hmm. than it does the man who knows the languages, because he's got to figure out through the, through his commentaries and through his various translations, what are the issues in this text? Mm-hmm. What are the connections uh, between the clauses? Whereas if he's got some command of the languages, he can look at them and say, oh, yes. This is a subordinate clause here, which may not be clear in the English translation, but, but it, it, it shows up as soon as you look at it in the Greek, uh, that that's the relationship here, and that's how the thought develops. And that's, uh, over time, as you get more and more familiar, you, that's what I mean about, mm-hmm. uh, about developing a feel yep. uh, for the language. You look at it and you say, ah, that's it. Yep. And, and it may have taken you two minutes, if you knew the Greek, to figure that out. It may have taken you 20 minutes if you didn't know the Greek yeah. to figure it out. Yeah, that's, that's a good
0: point. That's an absolutely great point. And, and one of the things that that also, I think, uh, plays into this equation is a, as ministers, I mean, there's men that know far more than we do. I, I know that. I'm, I, I'm an unprofitable servant. I'm, I'm stupid uh, when it comes to getting sermons done. I, I admit it. Um, and I labor and I work. But I consult with guys who far, who know far more than I do. And, and there are times when they're dealing in the commentaries that they, they get into the Greek and they get into these issues with the clauses. And because I'm familiar with the language, I can assess their comments as to right or wrong exactly. or maybe disagree or agree as to what they're saying. Now, if I didn't know the language, I'm at the mercy of them, and I don't really have any – I have nothing to debate with them over. I have no way of – Doing that, so I turn end up turning the you end up turning that sermon into basically an exposition of that commentary instead of an exposition of the text.
1: That's true. Um, or if you or, or you're looking at two commentaries, one of them says X and the other one says Y, and they're both dealing with the same issue. Yeah, what's the reason? You, you've got no no way of evaluating yep. which one of them actually has the better argument, and so mm-hmm. you're just stuck with with your own preference, and your preference may be wrong.
0: Yep. No, great yeah. point. Great points.
1: If I could, you know, you you have two men.
2: We're just talking. One doesn't have a knowledge of the original languages, another does. Which one should do better? Uh, An illustration that I like to use from Luke 22, Mm -hmm. I I know you're familiar with this because if you use it in class, probably you've heard it more often than you want to. Probably. um, In in Luke 22. (laughs) I could say that stuff now. Okay, and that's fine. That's okay. (laughs) But Luke 22, 31 through 32, um, this is what we read. The Lord says to Peter, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. And if you didn't know Greek, you wouldn't know that that you there is plural. It's plural. Right. A lot of people would assume that Jesus is saying, Satan has asked for you, Peter. No, he's saying to Peter, Satan has asked for you, faithful disciples. That's right. And then when he says, but I've prayed for you, that's the singular. And so the Lord is telling Peter, I've prayed for you, so that when you turn, you can strengthen your brothers. And uh, just a little thing like that um, personal pronoun, knowing that it's um, plural versus singular, it's extremely helpful. Now, if you have an old King James, original King James, uh, the these and it's the these and the ye's, right? Yeah. Uh, but it, there's still a little inconsistency with those, isn't there? Or is that pretty consistent? It it pretty consistent. Okay. It. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why uh, the, the uh, KJV is not a bad translation. And, and it's rather interesting. Wallace says that the King James does a great job with the perfect tense in Greek. Uh, I, I'm not a King James-only advocate, but I do have an appreciation for that translation. Yeah.
0: Let me ask you this question. I and mean, as one who obviously I deal with the languages each week, um, I don't deal with every word of it in the Greek or the Hebrew, because frankly they're not all that important. Some of them are, some of them are not. I wasn't, I didn't unmute myself, so I apologize for that, <laughs> um, which is probably a good thing. But let me ask you this question: When it comes to a man who, who's trained in languages and working on a sermon week after week, is it really necessary to translate every single text they're dealing with? Is there a positive or negative issue there? Now, this is kind of a personal question because I wrestle with that. Well, I I,
1: I suppose it depends on what passage he's preaching. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I I would say, for example, that if if he's preaching one of Paul's letters, he better be translating the whole thing, working through it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But let's say... You're preaching Second uh, Samuel 11, David's adultery with Bathsheba and his murder of Uriah. Uh, you know that's uh, depending on the level of your Hebrew. That's a fairly extended passage, uh, and uh, you may want to just look at you know read through it in the English, figure out uh, there, these are probably some key verses, and just look at those. Uh, mm-hmm. Just depends on time commitments, and and we all know that in. The uh, that that being in the pastorate each week you may have a schedule laid out for what you're going to do, uh, but as they say about warfare, uh, no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy. Yes, right. And and once Monday morning hits, your your program for the week may be shot all to pieces. So uh, my uh the, the on the other hand i would say that hebrew narrative uh is going to be easier to translate oh, yeah. than hebrew poetry or yeah, prophecy oh, yeah. Is, so oh, yeah
0: no question about that well yeah. if i, mean, I, I know could... in your classes here at the seminary you, you you have us work through that and do that yeah what I what I wrestle with from week to week, as Dr. Shaw indicated, you have this great and glorious plan. I, I, I'm in my study. I try to study from 830 to 01, and then I have myself open at that point for necessary visits or whatever. If they don't show up, then I keep studying. But there are some texts, and I've experienced this, where I translated it, and guess what? There was nothing overly s- uh, significant and it was just like the English translation in front oh, yeah. of me. And I felt like, okay, I put all this time into it, and I really haven't, got, I haven't really gone anywhere. I'm still sitting on, uh, on first base, and I haven't moved at all. Oh. And, I, and I'm like, well, I could have just not done that and just taken the English and, and done a structural analysis of the English yeah. text and ended up with the same conclusion. The problem oh. is you don't know that ahead of time. That's exactly.
2: Right. Well, i got a great story. Um, Dr. Neal, yep. uh, where I did my undergrad work, a uh, Greek teacher, told us about how he was walking down one of the sidewalks on campus. And one of the young lady students walked up to him and says, Dr. Neal, what does this text read in the creek? And he had one of those briefcases where you reach inside you from the top. So he puts it down on the sidewalk, reaches in, pull out his Greek New Testament, and he starts translating it. And the young lady goes, but that's exactly what the English says. And Dr. Neal told us that so we'd realize that sometimes we can be thankful that our English translations are as accurate as they are. Yeah, I tell, my, I tell
0: the congregation at Landis where I'm pastoring, everybody knows this now, um, that our English translations are quite good uh, when it comes to, to the Greek and Hebrew. But, but then I'm quick to say or, or want to emphasize the reality of what our standards teach, that when it comes to substance issues, theological debate, uh, and and controversy mm-hmm. are to appeal to the original languages. Mm-hmm. Why?
1: Because those are the languages in which God revealed his, uh, in which God revealed Himself. Right. And, uh, you know that quote from A. T. Robinson that uh, Doctor Dyer read earlier. There are subtleties in those languages. Um, you know. So, for example, in the whole currently uh, we've been having this debate in evangelical circles about subordination within the Trinity. You know, Now that debate is being carried on in English but all of those issues mm-hmm. arise out of a question of what does the Greek text of the New Testament say? Mm-hmm. What does the Hebrew text of the Old Testament say? And so um you know any time uh that we're entering into theological debate theological dispute it's essential uh to go to the languages uh because mm-hmm. you know, as as i said earlier there are idioms in hebrew there are idioms in greek that it's you know we um it's in first peter where uh, peter says Gird up the loins of your mind. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, okay, what's that mean? <laughs> and and if you notice, the ESV does not translate gird up the loins of your mind. The NIV does not translate gird up the loins of your mind. Even the New American Standard, I don't think, does. King James does because the King James is actually more literal there. But that's what it says. It's an idiom. And what does it mean? It's, it's the idea of preparing for activity, of preparing for battle. But there's an, a visual there. There's imagery there that if you just translate it, prepare yourselves for battle, you lose the force of the image. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's good.
0: That, and that's, a great, that, and that's a great illustration. I, I've often uh, told people... Um, a knowledge of the original language is, 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 in a sense, like watching a television program in color. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, you know, you can watch black and white TV and you see the players and you know the plot and the theme. You know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But put that same program in color... And then the, there's a depth of meaning. It's richer. There's something about it. it. doesn't change the plot. doesn't change the story any. It just gives it depth and richness that wasn't there before. Now, I don't know how yeah.
1: accurate that analogy is, well, but yeah. I think it's if, quite, if, if quite if accurate. You're, if you're watching the original Star Trek in color, you know all the red shirts are going to die. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't think I
0: ever... Caught, on, caught caught, on to that yeah. so I'm so glad for this podcast <laughs> today because I've just learned something about Star Trek that I never knew and I am a Star Trek fan so what does that mean? So it just tells you how Dr. Shaw is just widely read and watches
2: a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> Okay, to follow up yeah, sure. uh, about you know how extensive um, something that you know I teach my students is knowing that something is not exegetically significant is actually just as significant Important. as something that is. Sure. So weeding through that. And as Dr. Shaw said, you're not going to know what is or isn't until you work through the text. Right. But translating, if you mean by translating, you know, a formal written out translation, not necessarily. Um, but you should be able to read through it and at least get a feel and say, I think I need to check out this word. I think this is a word that I need needs a little bit of um uh, work. And as I compare translations, you know, and I see where the, the differences are, uh, here's where I need to spend uh, some time in the text. Yep. But, you know, you asked the question about controversy. Um, the very first chapter of our confession, as Dr. Shaw already has alluded to, uh, we are told that we are to settle uh, controversies in the church by looking at the Greek Uh, and the Hebrew of the original language. And since we are a strict subscriptionist school, I think that's part of our obligation is to train men as thoroughly as we can in the Greek. Uh, One of the things I appreciate about you is I interact with you, Bill, often enough to know that you're really working at staying in the Greek, you're reviewing. Uh, I have a standing offer I give to all my students. If there's something that um, you're struggling with and you want to send me an email, and say, Dr. Dyer, I'm not sure what's going on in the text here. Um, feel free to do that. And I've had I've been pleased with the number of students who
0: do that. Sure. that.
2: And the thing that encourages me about that is I believe that Dr. Shaw and I probably have a higher percentage, I hope this is true, a higher percentage of men who leave our seminary keeping up with their languages than other schools
0: i think if they follow the 15 minute rule that dr shaw beats into our head frankly um they would be a lot better off i've talked with students who 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 get behind and struggle and review i've had students come to me as i was a student say they're struggling with greek and hebrew and the first question i ask them frankly is how much time are you spending outside of class? Are you spending 15 minutes reviewing the material each each day? No. Well, no wonder you're struggling. I mean, <laughs> it's not the professor's fault; <laughs> it's your fault. But you know, I, and you're right about the, the nuances and the in, in not necessarily sitting down and penning the translation word for word, but rec- be able to read it and recognize things like a hotbox legomenon in the text, and yeah, is that yeah. is that significant, is it not significant, uh, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but then chase that down, I mean, I do, obviously, I think everyone should, when you run across something like that in the text, in the original, you, it ought to at least send up a flag and say, I need to look at that a little bit closer, it might right. mean nothing, it might right. not matter, but it might matter and the two out of three cases that I've experienced that in the last three weeks it was significant so um, since since the Greek and the Hebrew are in fact as Dr. Shaw said the the way God chose to reveal his word um, then it obviously has a high priority now all that said and I I think the listeners would be absolutely on board with everything that's been said as far as the importance of the original languages Um, obviously not everyone in the church is going to be schooled, as it were, um, in Greek and Hebrew. Now, obviously, there's the minister who's instructing them from the pulpit on these matters. But what can they do um, as they read their Bible? Like, let, I'm thinking of my wife or your wife. Uh, she's got a huge advantage. Obviously, you're a Greek. You know the Greek very well, and she can ask you any question, and your wife, same, same issue, but, and, and my wife, of course, not to the same extent. But the average person in the church who, who really wants to know God's word and get in, dig in deep to it. What can they do when it comes to this issue? How can they use the languages and in, in, at their level, obviously without without the formal training?
1: Well, I, I think without the formal training, I mean, you have an, a a very rare person who is, uh, who is very self disciplined and is able to say go to some online website and teach themselves Mm -hmm. Greek or Hebrew Uh, there are any number of resources like that most people aren't most people aren't that disciplined they've got they've got other uh, other things in their lives that are more important than that and I I would say for most people in the pew the thing that they need to do is just read their Bible Mm mm-hmm regularly that's a good point. um the you know and and as you read pay attention to the language um i, I remember i was probably in my second or third year in seminary i was attending a uh, a church that had a small evening service they probably had three or four hundred at the morning service but maybe 25 at the evening service and so the the evening service people were kind of you know the few the proud the marines uh and 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 one time the senior pastor who ordinarily didn't come to the evening service came to the evening service and he was going to preach and we sang the first hymn and he had us sit down and he said uh, you know, so we all sat down and closed our hymnals. He said, okay, now what did you just sing? Right. Mm-hmm. And Great question. And, and you know, we had sung it mindlessly. Right. And none, none, none of us could come up, could say, you know, somebody I think finally remembered the title of the hymn. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of times we read the Bible you know, let's say we're reading in the Gospel of Matthew, and we and we get to the Sermon on the Mount, and we just kind of skim through it because we've read it before several times. We know what happens, and and we lose our focus. We're no longer paying attention to the words and how they're put together, um, how the sentences are put together, how the uh, and and so I, I think a, a lot of it is just paying attention. While you read and, and in, in a certain sense, I'd say regardless of what translation you're using. I mean, there are some translations that I prefer people not be using, but regardless of what translation you're using, pay attention to it yeah. as you're reading it. Don't Don't read it just for the gist of it. Pay attention to how the author, let's say Mark or the author Paul or the author of Samuel, how he expresses these things?
2: We, yeah, <coughs> I like what uh, Doctor Shaw just well, said. Before,
0: before you comment, I, I just want to I want to ask a question to Doctor, well, both of you. Before you elaborate on this um, one issue, um, I remember when I was pre seminary, I didn't know Greek or Hebrew. I had a strong Concordance, and I could look up things. I wasn't completely <laughs> stupid about it, but I always felt like there was something missing in my Bible study. That well, I don't have a, a grasp with the Greek and Hebrew. I suspect I'm, I don't suspect I'm alone on that. Mm-hmm. Oh no! That it, that there's this this idea that there, I'm, there's sort of this next level that I'm just lacking, um, and maybe I'm I'm, I'm I'm wrong in my understanding of this text because I don't have a knowledge of the languages. I, I, I basically understand what's going on, but there's something missing.
1: Well, I I'd say sure uh you know somebody who's reading an english translation and i don't care how literal it is they're going to be missing something uh but so what uh people who are reading the hebrew and the greek are also liable to be missing something Oh yeah that's a good uh, I, I I remember when I first started seminary reading and I I'd already read through the Bible several times by the time I got to seminary and thinking that the prophets were just inscrutable but as I've studied more and more they become clearer and clearer but there are still passages in the prophets that I'm I'm as confused as the next guy as, as to precisely what they mean and so uh and and so my response so what study harder pray harder um, but 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 i I think sometimes people who don't know the languages and and who will never know the languages frankly um think that somehow knowing the languages is going to be a magic cure to understanding the scriptures and it isn't
0: yeah, we're mind melding on that. I was about ready. To, I was going to take you there, and you went there uh, before I could, which is always great. It makes my job easy.
2: If I remember the story correctly, Mark Twain was once asked, "Does it disturb you about the things in the Bible you don't understand?" He said, "No, it's the things in the Bible I do understand that disturb me." Yeah, and I think that what I like about what Doctor Shaw said is, you know. We we teach this idea of analogy of scripture. Mm-hmm. It's right in the first confession. I mean, the first chapter in the confession that we compare scripture with scripture. And I think the broader that a person understands scripture, the more they're going to feel in touch with the scriptures themselves. And so that's I think really uh, an important thing. So just. Keep yourself saturated right. with the word uh if, if there's a, a text over here that seems obscure is there another text that seems to clarify what's yep. being said uh i think that uh can does be, help be very helpful um what what tools
0: um we, we we've kind of talked about this a little bit but you know you get the average person no greek no hebrew but they want to they want to dive in a little bit more perhaps and Maybe online tools. I know what Doctor Shaw's been saying, and they're available and they're great. But if you don't know what aorist means, it doesn't really help. And um, you could look that up, I guess. But what general tools could a person use to assist them? Obviously, with there's going to be a range there. But
1: well, I, I would say uh, two essential tools would be a uh, a Bible dictionary, mm-hmm. uh, so that. You know, you can look up place names. You can look up articles on on books uh, that summarize the messages of books and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, look up archaeological stuff. Uh, so, uh, you know, a, a Bible dictionary like the New Bible Dictionary. I think it's on its third or fourth edition now. Uh, that that's one thing. And the other thing that I would say is a, is a complete concordance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most most Bibles anymore have a, have a short concordance uh, in the back. Uh, those uh, aren't complete. Uh, so uh, a Strong's or a Young's or, you know, I think there's a complete concordance to the NIV. There's a complete concordance to the New American Standard. So whatever version you're using, use the concordance. Look up other places where this uh, this word is used. Look you know, compare scripture with scripture, which is what Dr. Dyer mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. was talking about.
0: Within within the concordance, obviously, um, it's like any dictionary. I mean if you use a Bible dictionary, use an English dictionary, yeah, you're gonna get a range mm-hmm. of what that word means, even if you used a Greek lexicon and you were able to understand that, um, you're still gonna get a range, a lexical, a semantic range of meaning and, mm-hmm. and so it's important for those who don't know the original language to, to recognize that limitation and to apply that correctly. Don't just think, just because this lexicon says this word means this, well, yeah, and it means this, 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 and this, too, so make sure you put it in the right place. For instance, as a case in point, last sermon I preached on Mark 8 wasn't the greatest sermon I've ever preached in my life, probably, but be that as it may, there was a word in there that ESV translated as argue. The Pharisees came to Jesus and they argued with him. Now, the, the semantic range there was discuss, debate, Argue, mm-hmm. um, and so the ESV translated argue, and now I know the Greek word. I know that the range is there, but I look at the context and say, given the circumstances, it's not a friendly discussion. Oh wow! It's a it's it's really an argument, yeah. and that's rightly translated by the ESV here. But understand that if you don't know the original, that there is this range, and you need to put that in correctly in the text. Otherwise, you can make the text say something it doesn't say at all.
1: Yeah, and and uh, people. In, Who are native uh, speakers of English recognize, although perhaps subconsciously rather than consciously, recognize that any word, just about any word in English, has a range of meaning. That's Uh, right. We use the word save depending on what the context is. It can mean a variety of things. It can mean, it can refer to salvation uh, in a theological context. It, It can refer to, Uh, money in the bank in an economic context it can it can refer to a rescue in Mm -hmm. the in the uh, someone was saved from drowning and so you know at at least at a a subconscious level i think uh, people recognize that a word can have a range of meaning but somehow when they start talking about the Bible, somehow, yeah, no, it gets, <laughs> it, the, these <laughs> oh, words don't have a range of yeah, meaning. It just, disappears. And it, it just disappears so that yep. something, yep. you know, that means argue, well, it's always got to be argued. No, no. It can mean debate. It can mean um, discuss. But but certainly, as you say, in the context there, even the word argue, now we would say generally probably the word argue has sort of a negative connotation. Right. But, but it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to because you could say that the the man was arguing his case that his uh, advertising plan was going to be more effective right. than the other plan that right. was being provided. Exactly. So, uh, again, just to 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 call people's attention to this idea that that any word has a certain range of meaning, uh, and it's important to remember that that that's true. Even with uh, the Hebrew and Greek of the Bible,
0: one of the one of the examples I used, I te- I'm sorry, Doctor Dyer. One of the illustrations I tend to use in that issue is the word love.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I mean, I I tell people, you know, I I say I love my dog, I and mean, I do. I love my dog. But I also say, I love my wife. Now, in the English language, everybody knows that those that word love has a very different meaning between loving my dog and loving my wife. Oh. But it is indeed the same word. So it's important to, to recognize those limitations and apply them correctly, uh, even without a knowledge. But even with the knowledge of the original language, um, you've got to do it that
2: way. Well, I'm afraid that ministers are guilty of this one. Uh, they'll look up a word in their lexicon. Or their the word study fallacy? Well, not just that, but they'll go through the, the various um, tr- um, definitions, mm-hmm. and rather than trying to figure out what one fits this context best, they're, a- they're asking the question, what will preach the best? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, something that I recommend to, to lay people is Vine's Expository Dictionary mm-hmm. um, of the New Testament, um, one of the things, it's easy to look up a word because yep. you look up an English uh, word, you don't look up the Greek. He gives you a transliteration of the Greek, and I think he also gives you the the Greek word itself. Um, and I think that can be helpful for the layperson if you're just looking at words. A good expository commentary can be extremely helpful. Of course, you're still at the
1: mercy, mercy
2: of God. the... But you don't want to get to an exegetical commentary where, where the uh, commentator is dealing specifically with the Greek or the Hebrew. Uh, one of the things that people should know about concordances, uh, Strong's concordance is exhaustive. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's the advantage there. Uh, and then, but then you have to use the, the, uh, the numbering system to go right. back to the back. The nice thing about Young's, even though it's not exhaustive, uh, it's an analytical concordance. Yeah, so it tells
0: you where every word is.
2: Yeah, and and but it'll break it down into the various usages uh, usages yep. and different words. So you can find out, well, here's the Hebrew word for this English word, and here's the various maybe Greek words for that. And one of the things that makes that helpful is you're looking at these words and realizing these are words that share a common meaning. Mm-hmm. And that can be helpful as far as nuancing. You know, why is this word used here? Why is this one used there? Even though maybe they're translated the same, but you know, effective use of a concordance can be helpful.
0: Yep. and I would also recommend for people um, in various congregations uh, who are doing this. You know, don 't be afraid to ask your pastor um, he 's supposed to know this stuff at least to some <laughs> level, and don 't be afraid to ask them they may, they may tell you oh well, you know i don 't know <laughs> and that 's okay, uh, but they know how to find out too because they still, because they have that familiarity and, and right. they can help inform and, right. and that 's the one that 's the man that God gave you to help guide you through some of this stuff so don 't be afraid to do that it 's not humiliating and it 's not embarrassing to say i don 't know something i mean i 'm a pastor, and I have to say i don 't know sometimes and, or a lot of times. Let's talk a little bit about, um, as we come to the end of this, and I really wanted to get to this subject a little bit earlier, but that's okay. Uh, You both teach the languages, obviously, uh, here at the seminary, and um, men come first year, and they get dropped right into Hebrew and Greek, especially now with the change, the curriculum change. Um, First year students, uh, instead of a semester of Greek first, and then Hebrew, now it's Hebrew right out of the gate. Um, Day one, boom, Hebrew. Which, I gotta tell you, just in, in truth, it made me cry. Um, literally um, especially the vocabulary I just didn't know how I was ever going to remember this, these things I've never seen before in my whole life Greek was a lot easier vocabulary was, but Hebrew, ugh, wow what recommend, uh, well first this is really a two part question in your experience, and this is kind of a dangerous question so um, I'm warning you up front, but in your experience men who come and get dropped into f- the first year Hebrew, first year Greek, are they ready?
1: I, I would say some of them are, some of them are not. Yeah. Uh, some of them come to seminary dreading the languages. Um, partly, I, I think in a lot of cases, it's, partly it, it's because they've managed to get through their schooling up to this point without ever having had to take another language. Oh, yeah. They managed to get through high school and college without... Uh, even a semester of some
0: French, Spanish, yeah, Latin French, Spanish, whatever. yeah, anything.
1: Um, and so they they don't know what their ability at languages might mm-hmm. be, and and frankly, they're terrified. Uh, and to make it worse, Hebrew looks funny. Uh, none of the letters are familiar. It reads right to left. All yeah. of the vowels are not. None of the letters and it are makes vowels. Makes you cry. Um, well, greek's a little bit easier particularly some for somebody who was in uh, a fraternity in in uh, college um but and 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 then so they're the guys who are just unprepared they've never done any languages before and and they're terrified then you've got the guys who who don't think it's necessary mm. oh yeah they just want to go out and preach, and they don't want to be hindered by having to study Hebrew and Greek and having to study systematic theology. They're just called, they just want to be out there preaching, but their church says you got to go to seminary, so they're coming to seminary. And generally, they're going to be most opposed uh, to doing the languages, and they take them only because they have to, um, and. Uh, in in a certain sense, I I try to I try to get through to both of these guys. A that the language isn't as bad as they think it is, mm-hmm. uh, and for the second guy in particular to begin to show him how helpful yeah. it yeah. is. Yeah. Well, and then you got the guys who are ready and willing. You know, ready, yeah. willing, and able. There, you know, they they've been looking forward to this, yeah. and or or you've got the guys who maybe took Greek in college. And or took uh, have you know have some other language that they're fluent in, and they realize that they can do this. Yeah. Um, but then you you've got some guys who just don't have this, the gifts for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, we we we've got uh, uh, we've got a student who's severely dyslexic.
2: English oh, yeah. is tough
1: enough for him and and trying to get the languages I don't know that's going to happen. Um, and and so there you know there are special cases. Yeah. Uh, but by well, and large I, I would say that for most people Learning another language is not as difficult as they think it's going to be.
0: Yeah, I know this, uh, who you're talking about, of course, and and try to find the, a way that works for him. Yeah, and I think that's the key, and um, it's. Not, I don't think it's an aptitude issue. I think it's just natural. And thing it's handicap. not even
1: a desire issue. Maybe no, I right. love to. But nope. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Any comments on that, Doctor Darr? Well,
2: yeah, um, one of the things that um, is not an unusual comment that I get from my Greek students is. Dr. Dyer, I've learned more about English grammar studying Greek than I did studying English grammar.
0: Don't steal my thunder.
2: Okay, but anyway, but anyway, um, <laughs> that's something that, that I, I'm sure Dr. Shaw has noticed, even in Hebrew. Um, I, what used to be the first one to get a heads up on this is there are men who absolutely do not understand the first thing about grammar at all.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, Wynnum has a very nice... Um, Survey of English Grammar is yeah, that a the good beginning one? of his, uh, his uh, uh, textbook? His textbook uh, that I um, give to my uh, beginning Greek students for anybody that might have slipped through the crack uh, cracks. It doesn't. I mean, if you don't know the difference between an adverb and an adjective, uh, or what a difference between a conjunction uh, and so forth, uh, you're going to struggle. Yeah. And um, so. Getting a good grasp of even English grammar before you come to seminary uh, is really important. They're not teaching English like they used to in on a, on a college level. Uh, they have pretty well dropped the requirement. It used to be typically at a university, uh, you'd be required to take a two-year language. Um, I was required to, when I was an undergrad to take two years.
0: Yeah, I had to do it, too. I so, took Spanish. Don't remember much of it, mm-hmm. but I did it.
2: Well, I took 2 years of French and then when I changed my
1: major to Bible, yeah. uh, I, yeah, took, Greek and Hebrew. I, I took I took French, it was awful. Yeah. <laughs> that was worse than Hebrew, frankly. <laughs> the um, one thing um, is that uh, the English grammar um, <laughs> You know, physics has a technical vocabulary, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. mathematics has a technical vocabulary, Mm -hmm. Uh, biology has a technical vocabulary, and you're never going to make any progress in those fields unless you get a grasp of the technical vocabulary of the field. The language of grammar is the technical vocabulary of of language study. And the student who thinks that he can come in and learn Hebrew and Greek without any reference to the to the vocabulary, the technical vocabulary is fooling themselves,
0: and it's really not your yep. job, frankly. I mean, I, I've sat under both of you to give us an English grammar. You just there's a certain assumption which really leads to where I was taking this whole discussion. I think um, I know it sounds to the untrained ear that I have absolutely no idea what I'm talking, where I'm going. Sometimes I don't, um, but, but in this case, I do. We trust you. And what can you offer? You both teach the languages. We, we've got new students. You have new students coming in uh, in a few weeks who are going to sit in Greek and Hebrew right out of the gate. Um, that hasn't been done in years here. What can you tell them now? If they're listening to this podcast, and they're, they're going to go to seminary. They're going to take Greek and Hebrew. What can you tell them now? To How can they get ready for what they're going to experience?
1: Um, a lot easier than it used to be. I would say for Hebrew, learn your Hebrew alphabet. There are easily a thousand websites. You know, just Google Hebrew alphabet. That's right. And, uh, it's to and music and yeah. everything. Yeah. Learn your alphabet. Um, and, and again, those same kind of websites. There's some uh, often some basic vocabulary. Um, yeah. You know, Just give yourself a head, a, a head start by learning what the letters look like learning what the names of the letters and learning something about how the language is structured um, you know if you if you got if you got at least the alphabet by the time you come to your first class you're way ahead of the game
0: That's i, I can point. tell you if you come to greenville seminary uh, what dr shaw just said um it, unless you like to be embarrassed and I didn't. Um, Dr. Shaw would call on me in class, ask me to read a text, and I would always bumble it horribly. In the Hebrew, it always sounded better in my head before, and then it came out of my mouth, it was awful. Um, but he will have you recite the Hebrew uh, alphabet out loud and for everybody else. Now, unless you like to feel, look embarrassed, um, which I didn't, you know, that's a great piece of advice, frankly. And if you don't know the alphabet, you're done. You, you, you can't get to the next step at all That's true. if you don't know alphabet, gimel, dalet, hay and so forth. If you don't know that, you're doomed. Uh, and don't ask me to do the alphabet right now. I don't think I could. <laughs> That's embarrassing. <laughs> Dr. Dyer, what, what, in far as Greek is concerned, cause okay. it, and, and in my experience, and I think you both would concur with this, that the Greek grammar is far more complicated than Hebrew grammar. I think mean, <sighs> Hebrew is pretty straightforward grammar-wise. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to me that way as I deal with it.
2: Well, there are there are certain uh, things in Hebrew uh, you have to be aware of, like the prepositioned infinitive absolute It's right, sure. just, but you know, die you shall die. You know, you will certainly die. Those kind of things. Um, but so it's not quite as complicated. You're correct as Greek. Um, knowing the Greek alphabet is helpful. I give to my beginning Greek students uh, two uh, videos for learning the greek alphabet uh one i like better than the other it's actually just the alphabet song um and so i send Ah. the video out and students can listen to it and then um learning once you learn the the uh the alphabet um then you can start learning vocabulary um and i have preliminary things that i have sent out to students say i'm going to be taking greek from you Uh, Is there anything you can send me to get ready? And so I have a whole file folder on my hard drive for those kinds of things. One of the things that's going to be starting this year is Beginning Greek is going to be starting in the spring semester, Once one semester. But I'm going to be offering... um, Beginning Greek language lab fall semester be without mm-hmm. any credit mm-hmm. uh, pro- probably just going to meet half hour a week um, and just run through some of these preliminaries so that students can kind of test themselves or check themselves out well yeah maybe I do need to review English grammar okay I've got the alphabet down I want to keep that down here's some vocabulary. Uh, and just gradually build uh, during the fall semester until when they finally get into um, the class for credit, it's not going to seem like it's culture shock. Yep. Uh, and I, I'm, you know, it's going to be an interesting experiment. I'll, I might be uh, running to Doctor Shaw and say, "Hey, what do you think?" You because know, he's a he's really is a language expert. But it's it's. Um, i was kind of looking forward to that. At first, when I found out I was going to have to reduce beginning Greek to one semester, but it's been done before, and the students that took the class when it was just one semester uh, did extremely well. I was very pleased.
0: Yeah, I think think what both of these men who um, know far more than I'll ever know and have probably forgotten everything I do know at this point in life um, want to stress when it comes to the language, especially if you're preparing to go to seminary or you're in seminary, is if you think you can just get through the two or three years of languages without review, 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 you are foolishly mistaken. You are absolutely mistaken. It is impossible. There's no way you can do it. And, and, if you, and if you leave seminary and stop review, 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 you will forget everything you spent, you worked so hard to do.
1: That's it. Yeah, people tend to forget how much review we do of English every day.
0: Yep, it's just natural.
1: And, and when we're learning, when we're children, and we're learning to read, and we're learning to talk, how much review goes on on a daily basis
0: greenville seminary um as we wrap up this discussion which i I think has been great i mean i just love the interaction um we are here at the seminary very committed to the original languages um this is not to say that other schools are not committed to them but it is an absolute upfront focus of the seminary it is one of the um uh, foundational issues um here, uh, not to to say that that church history isn't important or or practical theology isn't important. They're all important. But frankly, um, as I've experienced it, just in a few weeks of doing this more regularly, the fact is I'm doing it every day. And I'm not necessarily interacting with church history every day, but I am definitely interacting with the original languages every day. So here at the seminary, it's very foundational. And if you are interested in being a minister of God's word faithfully proclaimed, um, it is vital, and here at Greenville it is something that they take uh, that we take ex- very very seriously and um, so if, if that's something you feel the Lord is calling you to do to labor in in the pulpit and, and in god 's church um, I can assure you uh, uh, it, it, by, based on my own experience and, and what I know that this is a critical uh, central thing here at Greenville. This is not necessarily an advertisement. Well, I mean, maybe it is a little bit, but um, that's okay. But but it is that critical, and I think you've heard that from both of these men as we've talked about this. It's not to say that you know we're not establishing some kind of clerical division between the minister who knows the original languages and the pew sitter who doesn't. Uh, we've talked about that. Um, so you, you, if if you're sitting in the pew week after week, don't be discouraged by the reality that you don't know Greek and Hebrew. Um, but be encouraged by the fact that you have a minister who does know it. And if you have questions about a text, you can certainly ask them. And they either will know it or they will find out for you um, because they're familiar with the language. Any concluding remarks? Dr. Shaw says, no, this is not TV, it's radio.
2: <laughs> well, I'll just say that if, if somebody wants to send me an email and ask me for preliminary. Um, Materials for studying Greek. I'm
0: going to give the email address. Sure. It's sdyer at gpts.edu. It's just Sid Dyer, but just sdyer at gpts.edu. B. Shaw. Dr. Shaw's B Shaw, Benjamin Shaw, B Shaw at gpts.edu. If you have follow up questions for these men, then, then write them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I can tell you, um, I don't think I'm um, ingratiating myself to these men. Uh, they both know more than they taught us. I can tell you that. <laughs> it's just a fact. And, um, but what I learned, if I, would, if I employ in a faithful way, week after week after week, I'm much further ahead of the game than guys who just don't care and give it up. Um, yeah. And the temptation is to give it up because the pastorate has got a lot of pressure in other areas, not just working on sermons. So, um, but it's critical if you're going to faithfully proclaim God's word. And um, it'll show up. It'll happen. Week after week. Anything else, Dr.
2: Yeah, Dyer? Actually, I do. Go, please. Um, you know, somebody might say, well, it's okay. yeah, studying Greek's okay, but why should I study Hebrew? I mean, after all, you know, the final revelation of the New Testament is. English.
0: That's the Old Testament. We don't need to worry about that. But. Don't let that sure doc- you say that. Sure <laughs> Dr. seriously. I'm sure
2: Dr. Shaw has made this point before. Three, Basically, three-fourths of our Bible is the Old Testament. If all that a person knows, the only language, the biblical na- language that they know is Hebrew, mm-hmm. that means they're going to be able to handle three-fourths of the Bible dealing with the original language. Now, I think it, both Greek and Hebrew are absolutely important, but I always like to point out to students you really need both you really want to have both don't don't think well as long as i keep up with my greek uh i was a some ministers uh not too long ago and one of them admitted that he hadn't really kept up with his hebrew and i said i can't believe what well, I'm it's hearing.
0: difficult to preach the whole counsel of god if you don't know both
2: yeah.
0: um it's just I, I mean i don't think it's even difficult i think it's near impossible
2: well something else um and i'm sure dr shaw would uh amen this I don't believe that you can really properly exegete the New Testament without having a background in the Old Testament. I mean, you go to uh, Hebrews where the author says, uh, if they will enter, you know, where he writes, he's quoting, if they will enter into my rest.
0: Yeah, what are you talking about?
2: Yeah, which, you know, but that's the Hebrew Oath formula. Well, you think about how much
0: of the New Testament is quoting the Old.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and plus. Um, particularly in, in Mark and Matthew less so in Luke and John just the narrative style of those two mm-hmm. is very much based on the narrative on, mm. on the style of Hebrew yeah. narrative Conclusion. the constant Absolutely. repetition of, yep. of of and in Mark for example that's just yeah, a immediately of immediately and. immediately that's yep. all just Hebrew well,
2: well you also have the added to do something yeah. Yep. Um, I was looking at uh, a text recently in Luke's Gospel, and here's Jesus giving that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the, the man said, "I added to do something," and uh, I said, "That's Semitic."
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I think as we wrap this up, I, I think we'll, all of us here, but especially the two scholars in the room, um, want to communicate is first, a if you don't know Greek and Hebrew, you're not you're not deficient. You're not uh, substandard in your understanding of the Bible. Um, our English translations, as we've talked about on a different podcast with Dr. Shaw, are, are very good and, uh, and very reliable. If there's questions, you ask your pastor. If you have difficulties with something, look it up. There's tools and resources. So we want to make sure we un- we're not establishing some kind of clerical division here. But we also are saying that if a man who's going to stand in the pulpit week after week and proclaim God's word, basically, as it were, speak for him, uh, because that's what you're doing. Uh, You're speaking Christ to the people. If you're going to do that, then you need to have an understanding of what Christ actually said, what the word of God actually said, and there's subtleties there. We want to communicate that that's so vitally important as we communicate the whole counsel of God. So languages are critically important, especially in that role and they are in fact the very word of god um, as given uh, originally uh, by the apostles the prophets and um, and uh, the gospel writers so hear that use the resources understand that if you're thinking about going to seminary think ahead plan ahead learn the alphabets Hmm. uh, basic vocabulary look at the connections especially in greek you'll, you'll start discovering those realities Um, simple words like cardia it sounds like cardiologist which is heart and Mm -hmm. that's exactly what it means so start picking up on these little nuances as you prepare because when you get into the classroom you're going to get it's going to get dumped on you and then review 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 gentlemen thank you it's been a really good discussion you know just kind of a round table thing and and, and, and highlight the reality of the, of the value of knowing these two languages. We didn't really talk about Aramaic. I, I know a friend of mine who was pressed to exam, they actually required him to know Aramaic. <laughs> like why? But okay, that's a, maybe on a different podcast for another day. We'll have to talk about Shabba Akkadian sometime. <laughs> or you ready? Those knows language. <laughs> language is all over the place. Coming up on the program, let me uh, quickly just bring uh, you there, um, if I'm totally unprepared that's because I have another podcast sitting waiting for me to do right after this one Um, on a very different subject thankfully but coming up on the program we have um, not that website that's not gonna work Uh, but I'll tell you I promise this is crime about dead air on the radio all right Bill Everybody's laughing right now. That's fine. I can always edit this. All right. Coming up on the program, we have, of course, the monthly edition of Faith and Practice with Dr. Joseph Piper. He's the president of the seminary, and, and by now, the faithful listeners anyway know exactly what we do with that program. Um, but, uh, but coming up on the program is um, Dr. Ryan McGraw will be on to talk about his book, Is the Trinity Practical? And the answer, of course, is yes. And we're going to talk about why it is, and how helpful it is to have an understanding of the Trinity. And then, following that program, we'll be doing the, the normal monthly program with Dr. pipe Piper, Faith in Practice, where you, the listener, basically you determine what we're going to talk about, and you do that by writing questions. And, and you can—it doesn't matter what, what you write in; just write them in. Um, I, I, the, the next program is well, it's wild. Some of the questions, but. Write in, and if you do, you will receive a $10 discount to the Banner of Truth store. So it's an easy way to get books and get answers from a faithful um, uh, faithful scholar, theologian, and and he is indeed the president of Greenville Seminary. So that's what's coming up on the program. If you have any questions, you can write me, Hope at gpts.edu. Go to the website, confessingourhope.com. But until next time, we do thank you for listening to this. As it were, a roundtable discussion about the importance of the importance of the biblical languages as we understand God's revealed word for us. It is the light unto our path and so we must understand exactly what it's telling us. and these tools do help us. So until next time, would you thank you for listening
2: and God bless.